Welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Career. I'm your host, Jennifer Ong, and in this podcast, I interview people who have taken a leap of faith and pursued an alternative career path in Asia. Before I get started today, just like to let you guys know that I do have a one-on-one career coaching program. So if you're someone who's tired of feeling unfulfilled and unhappy at your corporate job, and you're looking to take action and find a job that's more fulfilling, then send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at ongjennifer underscore or via LinkedIn. I'd love to see how I can help. All right, on to today's episode. Today, I'm super happy to have Jada Poon join us. Jada is an award-winning wedding and portrait photographer here in Hong Kong. Prior to this, she was actually a lawyer and studied law at Oxford University. So how did she get into photography? I'll hand it over now to Jada to tell her story. Hi, Jada. Super happy to have you join us here on the podcast today. Thanks for inviting me. Yay. Thanks so much. So I thought we'd just start all the way from the very beginning. Just to tell us a little bit about your story. You were born and raised in Hong Kong, and then you decided at quite a young age yourself to go to boarding school. Maybe walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I'm still surprised by what I did back then because at 12, I was determined to change my life for the better because I felt at that time that the education system in Hong Kong wasn't right for me. I have always been a very creative person. I love painting. I love doing a lot of artwork and all that. But I guess back then where I was studying and the life that was around me didn't really allow me to do those things that I love. My experience growing up was I had a very narrow definition of what I should be doing in order to be successful later on in life. So Everything was already defined as, you know, you should do this, you should do that in order to have a better life in the future. And painting or drawing is a waste of time because it's not productive towards that goal. So I wanted to change my environment. And after a trip to the UK, I decided I really love it there. And so actually at the age of 12, I made my parents send me to the UK halfway through the school year. That was how desperate I was. I really want to improve my life. And yeah, I'm still surprised by the creative life force that I had when I was 12. I went to boarding school for the weekends. I was pretty much free to do whatever I wanted. So I did spend a lot of time in the um, art studios, working on whatever I wanted to. I felt like I had a lot more freedom to express who I was. And I guess also the environment in the boarding school and in the UK allowed me to feel safe in expressing who I was. That's honestly so crazy for someone at such a young age to have such strong opinions about where their life was. So I think that's honestly amazing that you were able to actually make that decision for yourself so early on. When I made that decision, I actually didn't realize what a huge impact it would have on my life. I just literally acted on impulse. But looking back, I think that was one of the biggest decisions I've ever made. And it changed my life course completely. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Kind of moving to your love for art. How did that kind of start? I've always loved it. And I went through different phases in life. So I started as a kid loving drawing, painting, and then I wanted to be a fashion designer when I was in high school. And then I also started photography later on after university. And to me, they all actually feel like the same thing. They're all channels for me to 
express what I was feeling, to express how I see the world, and ways to connect with people as well. So I think my love for art, in a way, is also the love that I have with connecting with the people and the things around me. It's definitely been my identity, actually, because whatever I do is part of it. Got it. When you're thinking about applying to college, did you ever consider pursuing art as your specialty in, yeah. in university? I did. I think a lot of people who grew up in more traditional Asian families would understand it's quite difficult to insist on doing a fine art degree in university because it's pretty much seen as useless. It's not practical, apparently. So I ended up thinking, oh, maybe I can do something that's practical and then later on in life we can see where we go and maybe we'll go back to it. In fact, after I did my law degree, I negotiated with my parents to say, okay, if I take on a training contract in a law firm, then you need to be okay with me taking a gap year out to study fashion design. And that was kind of how I negotiated having parts of what I love doing back into my life. Got it. So you alluded that you went into law for university. How did you land on law? Was that something that you were interested in? Well, it started off, to be honest, to be a process of elimination. So basically, there would be a few options on the table, like medicine, accounting, law. And for me, when I first started looking at law, it was because it was the shortest degree. <laughs> Compared to medicine, it's like six, seven years. And also for me, I love writing. At some point when I was applying for it, I actually did get interested in law because I have a very strong sense of right and wrong. So when I was writing through debates and all that, I was very interested to study different perspectives of how to look at what's right and what's wrong. So at the beginning, it was kind of like a process of elimination. You were like, okay, these are a few respectable majors to major in. But later on, you grew to love law as you started studying it. At the same time, you were like, art is still something that I really love, but maybe I'll keep it as a hobby and go into it in the future. I still want to have like a more pre-professional degree. Yeah, that was kind of what I was trained to think at that time. Because of our upbringing, aside from the expectations from other people, from our family, it's also the expectations that we end up putting on ourselves to be seen as successful. Like Everyone wants to be seen as successful. And we end up also defining and narrowing in our options as well because of our own expectations. Yeah, exactly. And I think on that point, it's so interesting, right? Especially growing up in Hong Kong, there's not many roles out there that are in the creative space. So it's almost like everyone around you is a lawyer, accountant, or a doctor. You don't really see a ton of people going into more creative fields. Yeah. So it kind of does shape the roles that you think are available for you as well. So, okay, you graduated with a degree in law. I know you mentioned that you negotiated yeah. with your parents to take a year off to study fashion. Uh, maybe tell us a bit more about that. I was really into design when my high school years and I thought, oh, maybe I can be a fashion designer and I got really into fashion. After doing the law degree, I was like, I, I just really want to do something about it and see what I feel about it. I think every part of my life contributed to who I am right now. And the fashion degree part, it actually brought out the creative side of me even more. And it actually made me realize later on when I was doing law, law how much of it was slowly dying inside of me compared to the year that I spent in fashion design. I was so creative. Everything I saw around me, I was inspired. Like literally everything I see, even just 
driving through McDonald's, I would see a sign, and then I'd be like, "Oh, I can think of something creative out of that." Everything around me was just very hopeful and very inspiring. Yeah, that's very interesting. You mentioned that you had to negotiate with your parents. How did that go? Well, I guess to them, they have their eyes on the goal, which is me working in the legal industry. So as long as I took up the training contract, they were actually fine with me taking a year off. I have to thank them for giving me that opportunity, even though it was more like a negotiation. But <laughs> but I guess there would be parents out there who wouldn't even allow their kids to take a year out. And and I I was very lucky to get a gap year. I think that's great that you got the opportunity to do that. You were describing how you were just so creative in that one year, and you. Really saw such a strong contrast between that year and when you started doing law. Do you、mm. feel like that kind of gave you the courage to eventually leave law? Yeah, it, it definitely contributed to it because I, I actually had something to compare to. Because for some people, if they had just jumped into law, they might not realize what's the other side of who they could be. When I was working in law, I I felt that difference and how I was changing as a person throughout the two three years that I was in law. Aside from that, I was also struggling with some health issues. I had a hyperthyroid, which was directly triggered by the stress that I was dealing with at work. So that also triggered me to think about whether this is cut out for me. But I think the bigger factor that Led to the decision of quitting was not just the working hours because if it's just the working hours, I can get through it. But I think it's also everything that I was doing at work was against who I am. I love working with people, connecting with people, communicating with them. I love moving around, being flexible. I hate dealing with paperwork, with routines, and I think everything that was part of working in the legal industry was just clashing with my personality. So that together with the long working hours didn't was not a good combination. I felt that I was losing my creativity, which I've always really treasured, and that made me quite scared because I didn't want to lose that part of me. The other thing is, being a lawyer, we are trained to be risk adverse, and we have to basically be thinking constantly of the worst case scenario so that we can prevent them from happening. So I think these two things also didn't work well with my personality because, first of all, I love. Love taking risk. That's why I left Hong Kong at the age of twelve, and so I didn't like myself becoming more risk adverse. I didn't want myself to become less bold in life. And then also, I naturally am an overthinker. And to be honest, I'm not a, a very positive person. So having to keep thinking of the worst case scenarios. Actually, drew me into a more negative space in my mind, and and I didn't want to be like that. Was there like a trigger point or like a turning point for you? I think it was the hyperthyroid episode that I mentioned earlier on that really triggered me into action because I had issues with my health, and then I had to slow down. And finally, my parents are like, "Oh no, you're not well." and It's because of all that craziness and stress at work that's causing you to be like that. So they became more interested to hear what I had to say, and so that triggered me into really pulling the trigger. So at that point in time, when you got diagnosed, were you like, okay, I am going to quit my job, or what were you thinking? Yeah, I think I've always been thinking about it. So it wasn't a difficult decision to make, and also I knew that actually it's not. That bad because even after a year of you know exploring other stuff, 
I can easily go back into law. It's not that difficult. So realistically, I, I'm not actually losing very much. I'm just maybe losing one year of salary rise. But that actually opened up all the opportunities for me to explore what I want to do with my life. And I felt like that is a good deal. I do know a lot of people would come up to me and then they would say like, oh, you're so fortunate that you have something that you love doing and you're good at photography. So you were able to be brave enough to quit. But the truth is, when I quit, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. But I felt it was important for me to take a step back and quit because back then I was working day and night, day and night. I had no physical capacity and more so no mental capacity to really explore what is right for me, to reflect on where I was and where I want to be. So I, I do always encourage people, if you feel like, oh, I really want to quit or I hate my job, but I don't know what I want to do, there's a reason. It's not because you really don't know. It's more like there's no mental capacity to think about it or to explore. At the beginning, the plan was to take a few months off to explore different things, to gauge what I'm interested in or what opportunities are out there realistically and see where that goes. Once I know that I wanted to do photography, I gave myself a year to test it out. I always have a known timeline. Like at this point, I will review what's been happening and see what my next step will be like. I think that's super smart because it's almost like setting little mini goals for yourself to mm -hmm. hit. And it doesn't feel like you're just jumping into the deep end and like completely changing your whole life. How did you go about figuring out what it is that you like? And how did you end up with photography? I definitely had starting a business in mind. I didn't know what it would be. I started talking to different people, mentors and people who have been running their own business for a while. I signed up for courses, including a photography diploma and different courses related to photography and art. I actually spoke to a photographer that I always love. His name is Jose Villa and he actually turned out to be one of my mentors. He is the pioneer for um, fine art wedding photography in the US. So he's the one who really brought up the hype of shooting in film. I asked him, is there any chance that I can learn a bit more about it? And he actually invited me to a little group workshop that he was tentatively going to hold in Mexico. So I just decided, okay, why not? And, and I just packed my bags and traveled to Mexico to meet him. Wow. Yeah, which thinking back is also a little bit crazy. My parents freaked out a little bit because I mean, I was going to travel to Mexico by my own. But that was one of the turning points in my life because I saw the way he worked and I also tried taking photos with him. And during those weeks, I actually collected a very small portfolio of work. More importantly, I knew that this is something that I wanted to do. I didn't know whether I would develop it into a business or not, but I, I knew back then I will always want to pursue this and be better at it. And so when I came back to Hong Kong, I had a much better idea of what I want to do with photography. I started sharing my own story with people around me and I would share with them my portfolio. And somehow the word spread. They asked me, oh, are you interested in shooting this wedding that my friend is having next month? And then everything just kind of grew from that, from referrals, um, from me really just sharing my own story and what I've been up to. Wow. Okay. Maybe let me actually take a step back. You mentioned that previously you went to fashion design school. Was that 
something that you ever thought about pursuing? I did, but back in Hong Kong, it's just very difficult. I I did help out with some fashion designers in Hong Kong, and I realized it's not easy to be in the fashion industry in Hong Kong. But when I started exp- looking more into photography, I realized I I really enjoy photography a lot, and it's also something that I could see developing over the years. I think back then, it's really a, about taking up the opportunities that I had in front of me. I love fashion design and I love photography. With photography, the opportunities just came along. When I brought that small portfolio of work, people were very interested because they've never seen the style before. And back then, Hong Kong had a very different photography trend. And so, when people saw what I had, they felt like we want something new. We want something that's refreshing. I think also with entrepreneurship, there are always a lot of opportunities, but there is also a right timing. So I guess I came in at the right timing, and where people was looking for something new in photography, and I was able to provide that at that time. It doesn't sound to me like it was like a deliberate decision. It seems almost serendipitous, actually. It was definitely not like strategically planned, but I think it was the way that the creative side of me was not. Contented with what I was seeing with photography, I wasn't satisfied with what I had in front of me. I wanted to look out of the box, and so I found this photographer. And it's because his style is different that I, I resonated with it, and I wanted to learn more about it outside of what I normally see. I think nurturing that creative side was quite crucial for me in taking that step. I think this is so fascinating, and actually it reminded me a lot of my last interview with this guy who used to be an architect, and he started his own botanical design studio in Singapore. Because uh-huh. Singapore has so much natural botanical, beautiful flowers as well. Why don't we ever take advantage? And uh-huh. so when he started doing weddings, he actually. Resonated with people because it was such a distinct style, and people were like, "Oh, this is so interesting." It sounds very similar to your story, which is that you also came with a very distinct style, and with that, it was much easier for you to get clients because people were like, "Oh, you're so different!" Like, tell me a little bit about how、uh, you went about getting these clients. I know you first started off with just word of mouth. How did it kind of grow over time? At the beginning, quite a lot of is word of mouth. Back then, social media wasn't as big as. It is now. So a lot of it was me sharing my work, and because I was doing something quite different, people tend to notice. Because I feel like to start and run a creative business, it, it's very important that you're true to your own voice. You're sharing your story authentically because people can feel that not only when they talk to you but also in your work. So I think because I really believed in what I was doing, people could see that when I share with them about it. It was so part of me that I am always very keen to deliver two hundred percent. It wasn't work; it was who I was and how they represent me. So for me, even if the client doesn't mind, it's important to over deliver because. That's what defines me, and I think people see that and they appreciate that. With photography, it's a very personal thing, and it, you also get quite up close with your clients. You have the opportunity to chat with them, to share with them your story, to hear them share their stories. So I think when I am able to be myself and to be authentic, it allows them to trust me more, and that is very important for the. Process of photography that the clients feel 
comfortable. They feel that they can be themselves. They can express themselves freely, and in return, I'm able to also capture who they naturally are, and they can see that in the photos as well. So I think that is also very important. How did you get into wedding photography? I think it really was just always easier to get into wedding photography because so many people around us are getting married. Whereas you know, if I do a bit more branding and commercial work, it's harder to start because you need to know people in the commercial field in order to get jobs in it. How did you go about figuring out how much to price your services in those early days? So at the beginning, when people started asking me, I actually didn't even have a rate card. I was not prepared to be asked so soon about it, and so I had to go back. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll send you my rate card. And I go back home, and then I start drafting my rate card and asking, you know, how much should I be charging? Because I had no experience with starting a business. A lot of it was more reactive, and that's fine because that's kind of how we learn at the beginning as well. I did some market research and I asked around photographers who were in the business, but because everyone has a different price point, and because with art with photography, the spectrum is so wide, there's no kind of real market rate to it. So a lot of it is trial and error. I think a good way to go about is to just start with the so-called market rate that you decided on, and then keep reviewing. So every Three months, I would review. Oh, based on the clients that I'm getting, the workload that I have, or the experience that I'm accumulating, the work I'm delivering. Nowadays, I obviously adjust much less frequently because it's more stable, and I'm already at that point where it's the right price point. But back then, everything was moving so fast. I found that it was helpful to just decide on a price point. And then go back and review every two three months instead of worrying whether that price point was right or not because everything's actually evolving anyways. Your business is evolving, your clientele is evolving, your work is evolving. So it makes sense that your price point will be constantly evolving as well. Sometimes I would go overboard, and every time you raise your prices, it's natural for the job numbers to drop a little bit. Obviously, it's easy to fall back into the fear of, oh no, I'm not getting enough jobs. There will always be times in in the journey where you feel that, and I think it's important not to react to fear because that's always very impulsive. There are times when I feel like I'm not getting enough jobs, and then everything that comes along after that, I just say yes to because I feel like I need to get enough jobs, and then I take on jobs that are not right for me. I think it's recognizing that and not letting it affect your decision making process too much. It's really testing out the market, seeing how they respond to it, and then at the same time working on my art as well. Because when I'm adjusting the price, I have to be delivering better work as well. If you could go back in time and and give yourself a piece of advice, what would you tell yourself to do differently when it came to these moments of fear? It's being aware that there will always be this fear, fear of not having enough jobs, having too many jobs, and overloading yourself, not making enough money. Fear of a lot of things. Once you're aware of it, it will be much easier to separate them in the decision making process. You'll see it for what it is, and not let it affect your rational thinking as much. Would you say that just being a bit more confident in your work and not scrambling to like just get whatever client on board and and actually maybe getting those clients on board don't really 
align with the work that you're doing and it's actually more of a distraction than it is like helping your business maybe there'll be some months where you know it won't be as busy as other months and just to kind of be okay with that yeah because taking on the wrong clients can really stress you out and also when you say yes to something you're also saying no to something because we only have 24 hours a day and I think knowing what you're doing and keeping your eyes on your vision making sure that everything aligns with it because when it comes out strong people can very easily identify what you're doing it's important to be able to stand up with a stronger voice with a clearer vision and a very clear brand just shifting the conversation a little bit. Did you ever really have to go out to find clients or was it mostly people coming to you? I think there will always be times when we are out to find clients in the sense that I love constantly evolving my business. So even when it's doing well, I don't try to stick to what I'm doing because I, I get like bored of it. I need to constantly be evolving, feel like I'm creating something new. So every time that I'm moving my business to a new direction, in some sense, I'm finding new clients because it's kind of a slightly different audience. Say, for example, when I started my portrait line in 2017, pretty much nobody was doing fine art portraiture in Hong Kong. People would ask me, what's the portrait for? Why would people do that? I had to spend time educating people about it. Once I present work out there and I share more about the thought process behind it and the vision behind it, people would start identifying with it. That's kind of how I was able to attract new clients from a different market. Especially in the kind of creative business, it's really more about putting your voice and work out there for people to connect with and resonate with. Right, right. That's a different kind of business. I guess I wanted to take a step back and ask you, at what point did you realize, okay, I'm definitely never going back to law? And how did you break that news to your parents? After maybe one or two years of photography, I knew that I probably wouldn't go back into law because everything was starting to work well. I, I guess I'm around three years into it, that was the time when I told my parents. They didn't take it very well. My dad didn't take it very well, actually. He thinks long-term-wise, going back into law is still the more sustainable way to go. And it's also going back into that community and circle that he prefers, like the corporate, middle-class, professional community, rather than dwelling in the so-called the artsy kind of community. Because they don't understand it. And so... It wasn't until maybe a bit further down the line when I was getting more uh, external recognition with all the awards and exhibitions that finally my dad turned around and felt like, oh, she's really enjoying what she's doing and it's impacting people in a way that probably when, if she's a lawyer, she wouldn't be able to do. And, and obviously it's become quite successful and people are recognizing her for it because if I were a lawyer, people probably wouldn't know my name or I wouldn't have all these opportunities to do all the nonprofit work and make all the impact that I'm doing right now. So I guess he's been recognizing that slowly. And now, seven, eight years down the line, I feel like he's finally okay with it. 
I think definitely it takes a while because it's almost like a, a new area or like a new type of like career path that maybe the prior generation is less exposed to or they see less success cases from it. And it's not very conventional for sure. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask you a lot of the times, one of the biggest reasons people stay in a corporate job is because it pays well. When you were making that jump to being a photographer, did you have to take a very big pay cut? How did you think through the financial piece of this decision? Definitely at the beginning, you have to expect to take a pay cut in the first year or two. And it helps that I had some savings because I worked for four years and I knew that that saving would get me through the year. That helps to have that safety net, knowing that, you know, if everything goes wrong, Worst comes to worst, I can always go back into law. So I always had that safety net, even though realistically, I never really thought of going back. As I started working on photography, I realized, yes, my law firm partners were earning a lot. But to them, at the end of the day, it was just numbers because I can see that they weren't able to spend all of it anyway. Given the lifestyle that I want and on my expenditures i know that i need to have this amount of money to have a good enough life so i had in mind how much i may need to have a happy life and at the end of the day with that in mind my question would be am i happier rather than am i making more money I completely agree. I think it's a, a balance, right? At that point, when you decided that photography was a full-time thing for you, did you make that decision because you were already at that point where you were like, okay, uh, I'm making that amount a month that I feel comfortable with? Yes, in some ways, I was making an amount that I was comfortable with, but I was definitely aiming for more. At that point, I was not making the money that long-term wise I would want. But I know that with my past experience, I have faith that I will be able to build something out of what I had back then. The experience of turning nothing to building a photography business really filled me with the confidence to know that we can create something from nothing anytime because we're really resilient human beings. We will survive and we'll not only survive, but we'll thrive because anything is possible. For me right now, I, I do believe that if I think of something I want to do, I know that I can make it happen. I know some people might not be at that point of confidence yet. But I feel that it's a building process. We always need to get a little bit more experience. And then with that, we gain more confidence in knowing that we can make certain things happen. Speaking of confidence, did you ever face imposter syndrome along the way? It would be a lie if I say like, no, I haven't. And I'm sure it's very human to feel that because all of us had to start from square one. And sometimes the journey is quite surreal. There will be days when I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. There will always be days where you question your abilities, for sure. But I think, first of all, remembering all the things that you have gone through to become who you are today and also having a very strong supportive network. I think that has been very important for me to have a small group of entrepreneurs or people that you really trust to walk with you on this journey. All of us are going through very similar paths and it's really about mutually reminding each other, encouraging each other through the ups and downs. How did you go about finding this group of entrepreneurs or your own tribe of support? Actually, at the beginning, I was always looking for mentors. I had this very traditional 
definition of what a mentor should be. Like, I, I really want to find this older woman who's an entrepreneur who's been in the business for many years, experienced and inspiring. And she would meet with me regularly, and she would tell me what to do, and I would be so inspired. For a long time, I didn't really get a mentor, and I would be questioning, oh, you know, everyone has great mentors. Why can't I find one? Until it gets to a point where I was sharing with another woman entrepreneur about this, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, I have the same thought as well." I started thinking, "Oh, why don't we just get together and share our journeys? We have different resources because we're in different fields." And so we started gathering with other women entrepreneurs who are also walking along a similar journey. As we met a few more times, I realized actually this is what I was looking for. And I didn't even know that because I was so focused on what a mentor should be like. Having peers walking along with you, their advice are amazing because they're on the same page. And sometimes through what they share, it also inspires me as well in terms of how my decisions should be made when we're like going through difficult, challenging times. They would be like, "Yeah, we've been through that too," and then this is how we got through it. It's a very nurturing kind of environment. I realize sometimes it's about letting go of how we define certain things. Then new things would come in, and you realize that is actually what you're looking for. That's such a nice way of putting it. Sometimes, if when you let it happen naturally, you actually find the support system that you need. So I really like the advice you gave there. I kind of wanted to talk a bit more about the future. You talked about pivoting away from wedding photography to doing portraiture. What made you decide to pivot? It's a very natural evolving of myself as a person. As I said, my art is a very authentic expression of who I am. I've always been very inspired by the concept of. Empowering women, and also because I worked in anti-human trafficking in the past, so that also propelled me into this vision or this calling to do something for women to guide them towards a more wholesome and more holistic healing. I always had a heart for women and always love photography, obviously, but I never connected the dots because I didn't know how to. But one night I went to bed, and then. In the middle of the night, I woke up with this dream of what I could do with my photography. It was like 3 a.m. I was brimming with these ideas, so I actually sat down at 3 a.m. and I wrote everything out into a business proposal. And I actually showed them to my dad because he used to be in management, and he was shocked because I was always like a very creative, carefree person. So to him, I was never someone who's good at you know business. But he looked at my business proposal and he was like, "Wow!" He was really impressed because he didn't think that I would be someone capable of that. And in some ways, I felt like maybe it wasn't entirely me. It was like a divine moment where everything connected in my dream. And so after I wrote out that proposal, I knew in my head that I can make this happen. If it came to me in a dream, there must be a reason for it. And so I spent a long time sharing about my heart behind. Taking women portraiture and educating people on that. I love women portraiture because I get to hear a lot of the stories behind my clients' lives, why they're at this season in life that they want to capture who they are, the the reflections they're having in their lives, and then I would share my own story as well. And there's this deep connection that I get with my clients that often with weddings I don't because everything's so. Hectic. So, in a way, I felt like this is an amazing opportunity for me because 
I've always had this love for connection and sharing stories. It happened over the years, but it was a very natural progression because I was willing to be true to who I am in my work. It's almost like incorporating multiple parts of who you are across time, not just like within this one moment. Do you feel like this is where you're moving more towards? I'll still do wedding photography, but I'll probably be more selective on the work that I take on. But I'll definitely be focusing more on women-related stuff and nonprofit stuff in the coming one or two years too. At the same time, I'm actually building a family studio with my team. It's also a very natural progression because I shoot so many couples. A lot of them are growing their own family and they're wanting to come back and do family portraits because of my limited capacity. I feel that with the team that I'm growing, they're actually better at photographing kids because a lot of them are moms themselves. And I've been finding that very fulfilling because my team is moms who are passionate at photography, but because of them wanting to spend more time with the family, they haven't been able or they don't feel like they want to grow a business. So this is a win situation where I train them, I provide them with the resources, the studio, and all they have to do is just do what they love doing, which is shooting. They get to pursue what they love instead of just sacrificing everything for the kids. And then I'm very happy because they can take on my clients and we can continue to provide a more long-term service for them. It's amazing because I also feel like I can grow with my clients through their pre-wedding, their wedding, their maternity, and finally into their family portraits. Whilst this also free me up to do more nonprofit work as well. Hiring that team that you have is also another way of like empowering women to make a living off of doing something that they love while also getting to spend time with their family as well. I wanted to ask, what's next for you? Where do you see kind of like the next iteration? You spoke a bit about nonprofit work. Tell us a bit more about that. I feel like there is an opportunity to use my visuals and my storytelling to make an impact and inspire people. Obviously, there are a lot of different messages that are close to my heart. For example, I did an exhibition last year on telling stories of different women, how they go through the challenges in life and how we as human beings actually share the same fears, the same desires and the same worries in life. That was something that was very meaningful to me and getting feedback from people, hearing stories of people who actually come and see the exhibition and even witnessing some of them crying in front of the stories really moved me and showed me often we feel like we are able to do A, but when we actually do A, like so much more comes out of it. So it was very inspiring for me actually as well, not just photographing the women, but hearing the stories of the people who came to visit the exhibition and the impact that it has on them, the different kind of resonations they have. That's something that I really want to continue doing, whether it's exhibitions or talks. It's about sharing my own story, my mission, and hopefully through my work to reach more people as well. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing a lot is that sense of fulfillment that you get through your work, not just in photography as a medium of art, but also photography as a medium of sharing people's stories, inspiring people and spreading a message that you wouldn't be able to get if you had stayed at a law firm. Are are there any aspects of your law life that you miss or 
feel very happy to have moved on from that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say there's any aspect that I miss, but there are aspects that I'm grateful for. If I hadn't been through my legal days, I wouldn't be who I am today. For example, I am naturally a very carefree and careless person, so I think. Practicing in law actually grounded me a lot, and it trained me to think more rationally, to have a good balance. Because otherwise, I wouldn't be able to run a business. It's one thing to be an artist, but a lot of the artists actually struggle with maintaining and growing a business because it takes a rational decision-making mind to do that. And so, I think doing law actually trained me in that, in managing different situations, in managing different people. And also building up my resilience and flexibility in in that. I think this is what Steve Jobs said. Very like you can't connect the dots looking forward, but you can connect the dots looking yeah, back. Totally agree um, with that. So you can definitely see how maybe at that moment in time you were like, "Ah,、oh, law is just not the right fit for me." But actually, looking back, you see how you've benefited from spending time in in that industry. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's nothing in life that's a mistake as long as you make good use of your experience going through it. I wanted to close off today's interview with just a couple questions that I always ask my guests, which is, you know, in the Western world, there's this concept that if you follow your dreams, eventually the money will come. Whereas in Asia, it's definitely much more on like financial security. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts are on on these two things: passion versus financial、mm. security. Well, first of all, I. Think it's not really a you know zero or one kind of answer because you actually can have both. I I don't feel like you have to pick one out of the two. There's so many different possibilities out there, and you're always constantly learning and adjusting and managing throughout the journey. There might be points in time where you feel you're out of balance, but I think that's the magic of life. You have the freedom to make a new decision. Whether it's a small or big one, and you're always constantly adjusting and adapting to your situation. Eventually, you reach a place where you learn to balance both of them, and it's possible. I guess the kind of balancing is a bit different from the Western world. We have a different scale where it takes a bit more delicate balancing, especially with managing families' expectations as well. So I think it's understanding all the factors that are affecting the scale. And knowing yourself, because everyone has a different balance point. Some people prefer more financial stability. Some people prefer pursuing their dreams a lot more, like going all in. So I think it's also knowing where you want to be. Like, say, knowing how much you want to be making realistically is your pursuing your passion. I get to do what I want to do. Of course, I can always be richer, but that would compromise my joy in life. Too much for me to sacrifice. So this is where I decided that is the right point. So I think it's important for each person to decide where their balancing point would be, and maybe it would change with different seasons in life. But as long as you're aware of it and you know yourself, instead of trying to compare yourself with someone else who might be going through a different journey or have very different priorities in life, then I feel like you would be able to create the the joy that you desire. I think that's such a inspiring and such a nice way of of phrasing it. You know, you are able to have both. It's just about how do you find that balance, and that balance could change, right? Like over time,、mm-hmm. you might be like, I want more passion or I want more money. Then it's all about really understanding where that balancing point is for you, and knowing that you have the power to do that. Instead of thinking I need to compromise now, I have to give this up now. It's more like telling yourself, 
I'm making this decision because at this point in my life, this is more important to me. Yeah, definitely. What advice would you give to people who are kind of at this tipping point? What advice would you have for them? I would say to them, give yourself some space to explore. Because if you don't let go of something, you never have the capacity to hold on to something else. I'm not telling people to go all out, give up everything you have now in life. But I think it's important to acknowledge that you might not know what you want to do right now, but it's not because you have nothing that you're passionate about. It's more like you don't have the mental space to absorb new passions or to really go into something else. So maybe take some time off and give yourself some space to explore because otherwise you'll be so consumed by your current troubles, your current work that it would really kind of overwhelm any new opportunities. And what's one thing that you wish you knew before you embarked on this journey to start your own business? I think it's learning to not to be scared of making mistakes. I think with starting your own thing or exploring new things in life, it's about making mistakes. I call it part of the journey of learning who you are or becoming who you are. Knowing that is actually what will enable you to gain the courage to know that you'll always benefit from all this and you'll always become better from all the trial and errors that you have gone through. I think that's such a nice piece of advice to end today's interview with. Don't be afraid to make mistakes and actually the best way to learn really is through making mistakes and taking these risks. With that piece of advice, just wanted to say a huge thank you, Jaina, for yeah. sharing your story on the podcast. Really great to hear how you've been able to transition away from being a lawyer to where you are today and all the successes that you've seen. And we can't wait to see everything else that you have going on coming up. No worries. Thank you very much. And there you have it, my conversation with Jada. Here's a couple key takeaways that I got from this conversation. One, if you don't know what your passion is, often it's not because you don't know what it is, but more because you haven't had time to really think about it. Figuring out your passion is difficult and time-consuming, and sometimes requires years and years of self-reflection and soul-searching. Be patient with yourself and try to find time to prioritize this. Two, your brand is very important, especially in the creative industry. So try not to let the fear of not making enough money lead you to take on jobs that may not be so aligned with your brand. Three, finding a mentor is something that you build organically and naturally. Jada was able to find her mentor and build a support system when she finally let go of preconceived notions of what a mentor is supposed to look like. Four, you can have both financial security and passion. The important thing is to find out how to balance both of them in a way that you find acceptable and understand that that balance may change over time and may be different for everyone. And that's okay. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Control Alt Career. Check back in two weeks time for our next episode where I'll be interviewing Renee Wu, who left her job at Microsoft to run a pole dancing studio. And if you like this episode, do hit subscribe and share with two friends who maybe aren't so happy with their corporate job and need a little extra inspiration. And as a reminder, I do have a one-on-one -on -one career coaching program. So if you or you know of a friend who's maybe not so happy with their job and looking for some guidance to find a career that they love, feel free to reach out to me or follow me on Instagram at ongjennifer underscore for more information. All right, thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys back here in two weeks.